It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. William Penn once said, Right is right, even if everyone is against it, and wrong is wrong, even if everybody is for it. Good evening, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us this evening. It is a caller format. We are caller-friendly. So, Jonathan, let's get started. Good evening. What's happening on this fine Monday night over on your end? All crazy weather, Rick, with the hurricane off the shore. (laughs) A lot of wind. Okay. So, uh, with the wind, what's our subject? It might be related. You never know. Right. Our question is, will sinners be happy on Judgment Day? And our theme text is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So, Jonathan, as we begin this program this evening, I thought that for the introduction we might do something a little bit different. So in the background you're going to hear Terminator 2... <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Terminator 2 Judgment Day theme music as we introduce our topic this evening. Judgment Day. The very word strikes fear into the hearts of many believers across the borders of many religions. After all, this world obviously does not dole out any form of true justice to its vast population. And God, whatever God you may believe in, surely sees this and will soon balance those scales that are presently so skewed in their measure. Justice. For many believers there is a conviction that God's justice will soon come to earth in the form of anger, wrath, and fire and bring the result of a destruction never before seen upon this planet. Judgment and justice. Are these images of mayhem and obliteration really what the Bible describes? Is this world in for a dark and miserable night of pain from the wrath of God from which there is no tomorrow? Or is there an entirely different meaning and result of Judgment Day? What does the Bible really say? So Jonathan, as we get started with this subject, talking about Judgment Day, it's an emotional subject. Oh, it truly is. There are, and I think it's a very confusing subject also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a, a lot of different takes on, on Judgment Day, and most of them are very dark and very, very, very scary. Yes. So, so what we want to do is we want to look at this and say, okay, what is it? The Bible obviously tells us about Judgment Day. What is Judgment Day really made of? What's it really there for? And how can we understand what the Bible wants us to understand about Judgment Day without uh, getting off track, if you will, with other perspectives. So, so let's start with a perspective. Now, we're not telling you this is our perspective, but let's start with a perspective of Judgment Day. This is from a uh, YouTube video, Standing Before God, 
Judgment Day is Coming uh, by Peter Schofield. And listen to the take on what happens on Judgment Day. It is called the great and terrible day of God's judgment. When all who died in their sins will be called to appear before the Lord Jesus Christ to be judged. The Word of God says, And I saw a great light, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Tell you what, Jonathan, the way that sounds, I don't want to be there. <laughs> That's scary. It is. It's really scary because it gives you this sense of foreboding. And, you know, a lot of what he was saying comes from Scripture, comes from Revelation. And while we're not going to go into those scriptures tonight, I think it's appropriate, though, to, to comment on them. Because if you're going to start working with scriptures in Revelation, you better think about, are you dealing with something that's symbolic or something that's literal? And, right. and if you take something that is meant to be symbolic, as Revelation is, and you make it literal, of course you're going to have destruction and mayhem. It's just because it's not meant to be looked at in a literal way. And we're going to go through some, some ways of understanding for sure that what we say uh, is literal versus symbolic. Why do we say that? Well, the scriptures help us to understand how to put things in, 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 those, in those kinds of categories. So the first thing we want to do in terms of looking at day of, the Day of Judgment or Judgment Day is let's look at all of the uses of the phrase Day of Judgment in the Bible. And you would think, by all of the talk about the Day of Judgment, that there's a whole lot of them. Yeah, you would think. But there aren't. There's just a few. Now, these are not the only scriptures that talk about the Day of Judgment, but these are the only scriptures that use the phrase Day of Judgment. So, Jonathan, let's touch on them a couple at a time here and just kind of get a sense. We'll go into a lot of these scriptures in depth uh, later on in the program. So let's start with Matthew 11:22. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Okay, so you've got Tyre and Sidon. We're going to develop who they were and some of the situation that they were in later on in the program. But it's saying that, hey, they're going to have a better time than somebody else. Now, Mark 6.11 goes in that same vein. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, Shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So, Rick, uh, Judgment Day includes those from very sinful times and places that will have varied responses. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because in Mark 6.11, Jesus is saying... He's sending out his disciples to go preach. I think this is when he's 70 out, sending out the 70, if I remember right. And he, he's sending them with very strict instructions, saying, go preach the word that I'm here, that the kingdom of God is among you. And wherever you don't get a positive response, shake the dust off your feet. And, and that was a, a symbol in those days of saying, enough of you. You know, 
in, your, in other words, you're leaving the dust of that city behind and leave them. And he says, because it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for those people. That was a very sinful city. Yeah, so you're thinking, well, wait a minute, more tolerable, how do you mean more tolerable? I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah were already destroyed once because of sin. So how could it be more tolerable for people who just didn't listen to the gospel when Jesus was on the scene? So you've got to ask yourself, all right, so varied people, varied responses, but they all seem to have some kind of part according to these two scriptures. They, That's right. They're there, and it seems like there's some kind of a chance, at least, for them. So, with that in mind, let's go to the next use of the phrase, Day of Judgment, uh, in the New Testament, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, Rick, Judgment Day is connected to the destruction of heaven and earth as well as the ungodly here. Yeah, now this one sounds much more traditional than the last two. Mm -hmm. Because it, it does. Yeah. It, it's all about destruction. It's all about, ha, 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 you're going to meet your end when the Judgment Day comes. Because this verse, and this is actually our theme text, we're going to come back to this again later on. But this particular verse is, is saying that, okay, heavens and earth are kept in store, they are reserved unto fire, fire being a symbol of purification or destruction, uh, against the fire of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So it's really taught, it, it's a very negative end result that says, you know, whatever comes as a result of this is not going to be living after it's over. So it's, That's right. So it's a very different sense of Day of Judgment than the Sodom and Gomorrah scripture and the Tyre and Sidon scripture because it says, hey, there's a better chance here than there. So you've got to say, okay, well, which one, which is right? I mean, are, are the scriptures contradicting themselves with this That's phrase? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, with this phrase, Day of Judgment. Okay, let, let's go to the next one, Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So I guess, Rick, judgment day works based on accountability, especially for words spoken. Well, and, and isn't that what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, watch what you say. Because every idle word, every word that is not positive, that is driven towards something good, is going to be brought back to you, and you're going to have to give an account for that. And I don't know about you, but Jonathan, but that kind of thought is like, Whoa, dude, what are you saying? <laughs> I, I should just zip my mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, during these two hours, there's there's no idle words here. They're all productive. But maybe zipping and, and our mouths in between. And hopefully, it won't get me nodding, because yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, again, there is definitely something in this particular verse about personal, individual accountability. Because see, like in, in, in the in the Tyre and Sidon and the Sodom and Gomorrah verses, you're you're almost talking about groups of people. And yes, exactly. Then in the Second Peter verse, you're talking about well, general destruction of sort of everything, and now you're talking about well, individuals will be accountable. So there's really three very different pictures of the Day of Judgment with these three groups of very different scriptures. So let's complicate it just a little bit more, shall we? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next verse. Sec 
Second Peter 2, verse 9 says, The Lord knoweth him how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. So now... Rick, oh, okay, I'm, there's another scripture that kind of goes along with that. Okay, hold, hold on. Before that next scripture, though. Okay, before okay. that next scripture. You know, what you have is you have, it looks like, a dividing of the people into two mm-hmm. categories. The godly... Sounds good if you're godly, right? Correct. Delivered out of temptations. Uh, and then, but the unjust are reserved to be punished in the day of judgment. Now, you notice this one doesn't say they're destroyed, but it says they're, they're punished. That's interesting. So now go to the next verse, which is connected to, to that verse. First John 4:17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And Rick, this is saying, at least from my perspective, Judgment Day includes a get-out-of-judgment-free uh, because you paid the price card for some. A get-out-of-judgment-free card. Now, that sounds like something you'd want to sign up for, right? <laughs> and isn't this going along with those that are godly versus those that are not? Right, and that's what that First John 4.17 scripture was saying. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because, you know, it seems like those being judged in the day of judgment aren't supposed to have boldness. They're going to have humility and a lot of questions to answer. Well, Rick, the first thing I thought of when I heard this program was accountability is not happy. <laughs> because we're all sinners, and, and we're going to feel a lot of shame. Humiliation, regret, embarrassment, you know, uh uh-oh, boy, it's my turn next. Yeah, well, and a lot of these verses seem to be giving that sense that there is going to be that kind of accountability, and it's not going to be happy, because for the most of us, when we have to be accountable for all of our actions, you know, you're right, there's embarrassment, there's humbling experience, and it's just not a great thing. Like, oh, great, it's time for my accountability. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> but how can you be bold? What's, what's the difference with this boldness? Well, see, there must be some kind of get-out-of-judgment-free card for some. And, and really the bottom line, and we will get into this more as we develop the program, is that there are those whose judgment day is not in the future, it's right now. That's really what that's saying. Ah, so interesting. nobody gets out of judgment... It's the matter of when are you judged. So, Jonathan, we're going through these scriptures and we're not really digging deeply into any of them because by just skimming the surface, it creates more questions than answers. Okay, And that's what we really want to do at this point is we want to create more questions than answers because the day of judgment is not simple. And many Christian denominations have taken some of those destruction scriptures and said, well, this is the day of judgment, let's preach it. And by doing so, you leave out the drama of what the day of judgment is really about. So we're we're raising questions in this first segment so that we can figure out what the scriptures really, really teach us about the day of judgment. So we've got several pieces here. All of these pieces, once put together and understood, under the following very simple and clear biblical principle, will open the door to what Judgment Day will accomplish. So, Jonathan, the next scripture that we touch on here is going to open the door for the single most important principle 
of why Judgment Day is there, and it's going to help us to begin to uh, give us permission, if you will, to understand what Judgment Day is all about. And that's Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, and this is a biblical principle. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will, from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. So it's a simple sowing and reaping scripture. And it starts out by by saying, look, God is not mocked. What a man sows, he's going to reap. the, The seeds that you put out with your life are the crop that you'll get back with the results. And what this is saying is, God's judgment sees that and understands that. And somehow or other, and we're going to develop this throughout the program, folks, that's why you have to stay with us, because there's a lot to this subject. It is not just a lot of music and a lot of you know, revelation scriptures that are taken out of context. This is way, way bigger than that. The whole idea of the Day of Judgment is bringing back the actions and thoughts of every individual so that something good can be done with them. And that's really what we want to be focusing on as we look at the Day of Judgment uh, this evening. So again, folks, uh, it's a lot of development to put the subject in place. If you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget you can send your comment in uh, via our app. Right. You can, you can, uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you via comments if you don't want to, to get on with us. But this is an important subject because the Day of Judgment, bottom line, it affects everybody. Bottom line is everybody needs to understand it and know what's coming because then you might decide to change a little bit about how you live your life. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, Will Sinners Be Happy on the Day of Judgment? Coming up. What comes before the Day of Judgment, and what does the world look like? Does history repeat itself? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, Will Sinners Be Happy? On the Day of Judgment. We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL, or you could message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. And also, Jonathan, if folks want to get involved, they can uh, comment through the live chat at ChristianQuestions.com and texting, like you said, through the CQ app or calling us. So there's lots of ways to get involved in the conversation uh, if you'd like to do that. And we certainly do like, like hearing from you because, especially on a subject like this, this is a scary subject unless you really understand the biblical perspective. And that's what we're going to try to begin to develop right here and now. And Rick, when I closed uh, the first uh, segment, I asked several questions. What comes before the Day of Judgment, and what does the world look like, and does history repeat itself? 
And, and the reason those questions are asked is because there may be some confusion, Rick, between different uh, subjects in the Bible, like Armageddon and Apocalypsis versus the Great Day of Judgment. And hopefully in this segment, we can start that opening up and, and really focusing on really what's happening. Yeah, and, and the bottom line, and I'm, I want to give kind of an answer first, and then let's go into the scriptural reasoning. The bottom line is all of those things don't happen at the same time. There is a process because you have to take some things away before you can put other things in place. So let's see how the scriptures tell us how to do that. So, you know, Jonathan, our, our theme text was 2 Peter 3.7. We touched on it in the first segment. Let's look at the context of 2 Peter 3.7. We're going to go 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3-13. through 13. Uh, We're not going to get through all of that in this particular segment. But these are going to help us see a broad picture of Judgment Day in God's plan. So we're going to look at, it's going to start with the big wide picture first, and it's going to begin to narrow down as we go. So 2 Peter chapter 3, let's go verses 3 and 4 to get started. 3, yeah, 3 and 4 to get started. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, after, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continued just as it was from the beginning of creation. So it begins by saying, in the last days. Now that phrase, the last days, is not the day of judgment. It is not Armageddon. It is not the time of trouble. It's bigger. It's broader. It starts earlier. And so you you have that as the big, big, big picture. In those days, there's going to begin to be a questioning about, okay, Uh, You guys have always talked about the return of Jesus. What's going on here? Where is this? Where's all the promises you said were coming? We don't see them. A lot of mocking, a lot of of doubt going on in that big, big, big picture. And Rick, I hear those words in our day. Yeah. Here and now. Don't you? Yes, and they've been here long before us. I mean, if you go back a couple of generations, generations before us, those words were in place. So here's the thing. Jesus returns before Judgment Day. So many of us look at Jesus coming down in the clouds and will execute judgment. And that is true. But that's also a picture. And you can't confuse the whole matter with just one picture of one part of the whole matter. So let, let's see if we can take that apart and put it in the context of this broader, a broader in the last days thing. Matthew 24, verses 36 uh, through 39, and this is Jesus giving a prophecy of his own return. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. All right, so that's more focused than in that last days, because now of that day and hour, it's talking about the return of Jesus. And even though we cannot see when Jesus returns, what we will be able to see is the conditions under which he returns. And Jesus explains that next in verses 37 to 39. So he's saying, you know, you're not going to know exactly when, but I'm going to give you a really big hint. I'm going to give you the conditions of the world at the time of my return. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. 
so will the coming of the Son of Man be. All right. So, Jonathan, there's something... So no one's going to know? <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody, nobody has known until after the fact. And here's the thing. As in those days before the flood. Now, let's understand something. Jesus is using Noah as a, as a picture of himself. Okay? Okay. Because Noah was the one who delivered humanity from the destruction to new life. Well, Rick, let's think about it. What was Noah doing before the flood? Well, first of now, all, obviously, he was preparing uh, beforehand. He was building. He was gathering. He was organizing. That's what was happening, right? Right. And and the key fact there is Noah was there doing that. Right. Before, he was active. Right. He was active. He was doing the work of salvation. He was literally building salvation by building the ark. That's a picture of Jesus' return, and that's a picture that most of us don't see. Jesus returns long before the great difficulties and is building the tools and, and the method of salvation. So that's why the actual return of Jesus is talked about as like a thief in the night. Because you don't expect it because you're looking for the, the rain and the flood. But no, Noah's there long before the rain and the flood, just like Jesus is there long before the time of trouble. So you've got to realize that this is a process it's in it's in it's moving forward and what we see is evidence uh, especially by other parts of that prophecy that the return of Jesus is actually happened and he's working already but but people look and I say oh that's impossible because the world is the way it is right the world is the way it is because that's the way it was in the days of Noah and nobody realized it until the actual flood so now let's go to Matthew 24:21 for then there will be a great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And doesn't that sound like when the flood rain started to fall? Big time. Everybody all of a sudden thought, wow, that Noah guy really knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but it was too late. It was too late at that point. So before Judgment Day, we have great trouble, phrased as the last days. And we have conditions like those in Noah's day, the mocking, the sin, and the extraordinary evil. And we have Jesus already present. And all of this doesn't say Judgment Day is there. This is just all leading up to Judgment Day. So you've got the lead up, you've got the last days, you've got the, 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 the lead up, and now you're getting to trouble. So now you've got to ask the question, well, okay, so who is going to be involved in Judgment Day? Who, who is this about? What is going to happen? How is it going to happen? To whom? And, and what are the consequences? Now, it's going to take us another, the, the rest of the program to answer all that, but <laughs> <laughs> let's just at, at least, uh, let's at least get, uh, get started here. Uh, let's go back to Second Peter 3. Now remember, we, when we read verses 3 and 4, it showed us the last days. It showed us a very broad picture, and it showed us general doubting and mockery going on. So now verses 5 and 6 are built on those previous statements. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Though, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. So it's interesting that the theme of these next couple of verses is water. It's talking, mm -hmm. oh, you know, the earth was formed out of water and by water, and then the world was destroyed, being flooded with water. So it's, it's giving you this sense 
of water because there's going to be a comparison. There's going to be a comparison coming up and, and, and Peter is helping us to get ready for that comparison so we can see it and, and understand it. God had, has had some significant periods of judgment throughout history, not just the flood. And there are actually four of which have had world-changing significance. Now, there may be a few others that we didn't consider here. No problem. We're not saying these are the only four. But these are four very significant periods of judgment. And each of them has a pointer, if you will, to this day of judgment that we're talking about. So, so what was... Well, go ahead, Rick, the first one um, is pretty simple. Well, Adam and original sin. Okay. There was a judgment, right? There was. So, and that actually established the need for the day of judgment to come later on. Let's let's take a quick look at that. Romans chapter five, verse twelve. Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered into the whole world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So that's a really simple thing. And you said this is a simple one. It is. This is the most simple it's the most simple judgment because it's upon it's on one individual. Right. But the consequences of that judgment are the most far reaching of any judgment because every man, woman and child, right, Rick? Right. Everyone that came from Adam would now inherit inherit the the results of what he did. And that's why in Romans it said, sin entered the world through one man. And so there was a judgment. There was a world. There was a way of governing. There was a setup for humankind on the earth. It was called the Garden of Eden. And it was a pretty nice place to be from what the brochures say. Yeah, and before all those uh, curses came upon both Adam and Eve, right. it was amazing. It was. It, it, it was it, it had comfort, it had beauty, there was work to be done, but it had God's blessing in every corner. And that's the beauty of it. That's what humankind was created and given to take care of. But sin enters and takes, and that judgment takes us away from that beauty, that clarity, that focus, and says, nope, you want to be on your own? Okay, go out on your own. And, and how many individuals in life, Jonathan, end up doing that with their own lives? They're raised up in a way where they can see something good and valuable and honest and trustworthy, but they just got to rebel against it. And they, and, and they just have... So many. Yeah. So many. And, and, and what ends up happening is you start to create your own path because you have this determination that I'm going to do it my way. And it just always ends up leading to such heartache and misery and, and, and that makes me think, and this sounds odd at this stage of the program, but I can't wait for the Day of Judgment because it's a great day. It's a really great day. And we'll get to why we think that in a few minutes. So, so we had that first judgment, okay? Adam and original sin. Big consequences, judgment on one man. Second, what, what was the next judgment? Well, we've already touched on this a little bit with Scripture. Uh, there was the flood, and it destroyed the world. The system by which humanity was governed. Now, let's understand... When it talks about destroying the world, it's not talking about destroying the physical earth because the physical earth was still there. The world was a picture of the, of the, uh, the, 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 way, the, the, hu the way humanity was governed and worked. That's what and, was and destroyed. And it was influenced through Satan 
wasn't it? It was, in a very, very interesting and, and unique way. And First Peter chapter 3, verses 18 and 20, helps us understand that particular judgment a little bit more clearly. Because Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, that aforetime were disobedient when the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherewith a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. So it's interesting. Water is 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 talked about in the Second Peter scripture as the uh, as the tool of destruction, and here in the First Peter scripture, water is shown to be the tool of the salvation. So that is interesting. So you, you have it playing that that dual role, but the key, Jonathan, that you you had mentioned is that the angels. Some angels took a role in the governance of humanity that they should never have taken. It was out of the will of God. And that's what this scripture is describing. These, these um, sons of God aforetime were disobedient when the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. So it's telling you when they existed, and part of that flood was to destroy their world, to destroy their influence to destroy their governing their destiny of those fallen angels is the same judgment day and the genesis flood was a picture of that day so their destiny is the same judgment day we're talking about that's coming well that's interesting it is and you said that judgment day is not going to be happy for those who are against god right that's right absolutely it's going to be humiliating shameful and those fallen angels are going to undergo judgments just like the world is going to undergo judgment. So it's a somber and solemn occasion to be looking forward to saying, well, what's going to happen here? How's it going to happen? So uh, and just one more scripture on the role that these fallen angels have, because it's significant and we often don't think about this part when we think about Judgment Day. Uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 6. Messengers also even them who had not kept their own principality, but had forsaken their proper dwelling unto the judgment of the great day in perpetual bonds under thick gloom hath he reserved. So what that's saying basically is God has put them in, he, he's restrained them. They are not allowed to do what they once could do and they are being restrained until that great day of judgment. So that's pretty serious judgment that's happened in that second period of the flood. It absolutely is. The third, okay, so what was the third great judgment that had world-shattering, world-changing effects? Well, Rick, um, there was a casting off of Israel as the sole seed of promise. That was huge. Yeah, their desolation provided opportunity for Gentiles to be called into favor and follow Jesus to be part of what we know as the body of Christ. And a quick scripture on that before the break, Romans chapter 2, verse 9. There will be great tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Greek. So, by Israel being cast off, it gave opportunity for the call, the heavenly call, to be footstep followers of Jesus, to come in and join those who were faithful from that nation, the Jewish nation, to be footstep followers of Christ. But the destiny of fallen Israel is the same judgment day. 
as life under the law proved unattainable. So what we have is this same judgment day being shown to us that it's, it's the, the judgment on Adam showed us the need for it. The judgment at the flood showed us the need for it in physical and spiritual terms. And now the judgment of Israel showed us that they too are going to need that same day of judgment. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, Will Sinners Be Happy on Judgment Day? Coming up, what about the fourth group? Is everyone destined for Judgment Day? That's next. listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, Will Sinners Be Happy on Judgment Day? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget, sign up for CQ Rewind. Hit the CQ uh, Newsletter Sign Up tab and register for our Insider CQ Rewind outline and our Inside Weekly material. And uh, CQ Rewind, the full edition, again... It is a free service, and it is such a great tool, and that's really why we, we provide it for you. We just want it to be a tool, a reference point, so you can see the scriptures and the reasoning uh, and, and what, for why we say what we're saying. Because, like, for instance, this, this evening, as we talk about Judgment Day, it's probably not what a lot of you expect. It's a different perspective because we're looking at the scriptures and the scriptures are guiding us in a different way. You've got to follow the guidance of the scriptures. We've got to try to take the big picture, not just the ones that we feel are convenient for our perspective. So, seek your rewind, the full edition. Try it out. Jonathan, we're talking about Judgment Day. A lot of different religions have a lot of different perspectives on Judgment Day. So, we thought it, might, sure it, we thought it might be an interesting uh, exercise to take a look at a Muslim perspective on Judgment Day. So, now, I can't tell you that this is a general Muslim perspective across all Muslim sects, because I really don't know that. But this is from a, a Muslim YouTube channel called The Merciful Servant, and it's about Judgment Day. And just listen to some of their description of what goes on. Allah says, Then the trumpet shall be blown a second time, and everybody will be resurrected after the end. And your sight is sharp, meaning you see things clearly, as clear as clear can be. Much more clearer than here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, You were before this, meaning in the former life, you were blinded to many things. We took the veil away from you today, and your eyesight is sharp. Allah says in the Quran, when the trumpet is blown, and the earth is destroyed, and so on, and the day of judgment comes, every person will come with an angel who will be pulling or driving that person together with a witness. The angel who was with you all your life will come as a witness against you or for you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. This will be a day of torment and hardship. It will not be easy. Okay, so they give you a sense of earth, the earth being destroyed, first of all. That, that was the first thing that they, they, they said. And it's a day of torment and hardship. So there's a great actual similarity between the Muslim perspective of Judgment Day and a lot of Christian perspectives of Judgment Day. So uh, it, uh, We see it a little different. 
Yeah, <laughs> and, and really that is the bottom line. We do definitely see it differently than, than all of that. So we talked about three great judgments that God has made, one on Adam, one at the time of the flood, and one on Israel in their, in their casting off uh, as, the, as the favored nation through which Jesus would work um, from a spiritual standpoint. What is the fourth uh, great judgment time that has such a great effect on things? Well, Rick, there's an ongoing judgment of the true church, individuals that are following in Jesus' footsteps. Okay, and it's to choose. This ongoing judgment is, in a sense, a day of judgment that is going on now and has been since Jesus to find those who would be faithful. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Okay, okay, hold hold on one second there, because, so so we've got a lot going on. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, he's talking to Gentiles uh, who are called in, and in talking to those Gentiles, he is giving a sense of what's important here. So, um, what, what we need to do is realize that there is a very, very specific uh, judgment going on now, and he says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. And, and so it's a very, very uh, clear, clear picture that something different is happening. I believe we have a call online. I think it's Julius from Connecticut. Good evening, Julius. Welcome to Christian Questions. Good evening, uh, Rick and Jonathan. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Yeah, we'll, we'll all sinners be happy. Of course, we qualify sinners you know, uh, there's none righteous. You know, uh, all people are sinners. Uh, you know, before God, I think that the once I would qualify uh, with this answer: the ones with good intentions will be happy. <laughs> and uh, I go to Isaiah 26, chapter 26, verse 9. It talks about when uh, God's judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants thereof shall learn righteousness. Now, you know, the key is uh, the administration of perfect justice. Uh, There's so much injustice in this world. You know, good people suffer because of injustice. But uh, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9, as I just stated, God's judge, perfect justice will be administered. And going back to... uh, Chapter 25 of Isaiah, verse 9, Isaiah 25, verse 9, uh, the people with good intentions, they will recognize God's perfect judgment when the judgment day will be here, which we believe is a thousand years, by the way. Uh, The good people will recognize it, and Isaiah 25, verse 9 says, they will rejoice and say, this is the God that we've been waiting for. Finally, we see a perfect judge. God bless. Julie, Thank you. Julius, thanks Good so night. much for the call. We appreciate it. Uh, take care. So, so, Jonathan, Julius touched on something important, and he said, you know, it's those who have good intentions. And you think, well, okay, well, what qualifies as a good intention? 
And really, this is going to come down to, you know, what is it that you're trying to justify? In the day of judgment, it comes down to justification. Are you going to be seeking for the justification of your own actions, say, I did this because of that? Or are you going to be seeking the justification of Jesus Christ as a, as a, as a ransom price for your sins? That's a huge difference, Rick. Yeah, it is. Um, so we've got to be really careful uh, you know, about that. Uh, so, so, Jonathan, let's finish that scripture in Second Peter chapter uh, 2, verses 9 through 12. We read up through verse 11. Let's go to uh, verse, verse 12. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that though they malign you, malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. Okay, that verse has a lot to say about the role of the faithful in the Day of Judgment. We're going to come back to that verse later on in the program. okay? But it gives you a sense that there's a different destiny for them. So the godly are not destined for the Day of Judgment. Those who follow Jesus are not destined for the Day of Judgment. They will have already had their Day of Judgment. Their day of so judgment, judged beforehand. Their judgment is in this life. That's key. And so when you see scriptures that talk about being judged now, it's always about them. It's not about the rest of the world. And that's one of the keys that a lot of us miss when we're looking at how the scriptures read on the Day of Judgment. So folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a voice of reason in a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, let's go to Matthew 25, 31, and 32 to continue this thought about the chosen not being judged in the day of judgment, but being judged ahead of time. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So it says all the nations will be gathered, but who comes with him? All the angels the, with him. The angels, and, which actually is, is representing um, the spiritual heavenly church. Right. It's all of the angels of Jesus. These are not all of God's angels. These are all Jesus' angels, and that's, these are his messengers because they are the ones who have proven faithful in this life to execute judgment in that life. So now the question is, okay, well, if that's the case, so if there is a day of judgment now, what's the method that, of proving a true Christian now, and is it different than the method of proving the world later? And the answer is, yes, it is different. So let's take a quick look at the method that Jesus uses, or, and that God uses through Jesus, I should say, to actually prove those individuals who are on trial now. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you may not sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So, there's something very interesting here. We It says that, I'm writing unto you that if any man sin... Now, you can look at that and say, okay, is that, that must mean any man at any time in the entire world. But that's not what it's talking about. He says specifically, 
I'm writing unto you that if essentially any of you sin, those who I'm writing to, those who are striving to be footstep followers of Jesus, he says you, we, have an advocate with the Father, and that is Jesus. All right, so, so Jonathan, what's an advocate? Well, Rick, it's an intercessor, a consoler of, of ones that are so close to him. So it's somebody who is working with you who's on your side. So it's like Jesus is sitting next to you before God, and when you mess up, okay, Jonathan, let's use you as an example. Have you ever messed up? Oh, all the time, All right. <laughs> unfortunately. So when you mess up in your life, or when I mess up in my life, what this is saying is we have an advocate sitting next to us, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so as we essentially come before God in our, in our prayers and in our asking for forgiveness, we have Jesus saying, look, Jonathan's really trying hard. He did mess up. He is sorry. Let's, let's work with him. Let's, he's, he's one of my guys. I'm, I want him to, to keep going forward. Let, let's move him forward. The advocate is with you. He's on your side. Right, right. I love that. And, and, and that is a very unique relationship of Jesus to the true followers of Christ now. And the relationship that Jesus has to the world in the day of judgment is entirely different. We're going to get to that in the next hour. So again, folks, you need to stay with us uh, for that as we unfold what judgment looks like, where the great day of judgment comes into play, who's involved, and what do they do? So, so far what we're seeing is that the, um, the true followers of Christ have a very different role. They've already been judged when the great day of judgment comes, and they are judged through Jesus being their advocate, sitting next to them, essentially helping them. And then it says that Jesus is a propitiation for our sins. And that's, not that's a strange word, propitiation. Our, so, so what does it mean? Yeah. Well, it means um, an appeasing yeah. The means of appeasing. So, in other words, he takes care of it. He, he fulfills what's needed to have the sin be managed properly. When you appease... And not only for us, but for the whole world. So, you, you notice it doesn't say that everybody has the advocate, but everybody does have the propitiation. That's interesting. So, we're going to need to, to build on that uh, a little bit more in the second hour. So... With all of that, what we see is the true church has a different role than the world, and they will actually be with Jesus doing the judging and doing the drawing up to righteousness of the world of mankind. That's their job later because they go through their judgment now. Let's go back to Second Peter chapter three, and now let's discuss a little bit about our theme verse, Second Peter chapter three, verse seven. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So now there's two steps in this particular verse. Okay, The first is the destiny of the present heavens and earth. And again, heavens and earth are symbols because God is not judging the dirt and the trees. No, he's not. Okay, He's not judging the air and the stars. He is judging the spiritual controlling powers and he's, dis and he's judging the entire social fabric. So this first... So, Rick, all of these things are Satan's influence over all this world that we live in. And the destiny of those things 
under Satan's influence is destruction. That's what it says. Got it. It says it. these things, the spiritual controlling powers, the social fabric is going to be destroyed. This is a judgment of systems. The second judgment, the second part of that in verse 7 is the judgment day for humanity, which comes after the judgment of the spiritual controlling powers and the social fabric. Now, obviously, step one ends badly. It ends with destruction. That's what the verse says. What about step two? Because it does say destruction of ungodly men. So it's like, wow, nobody wins here. Okay, you know, the, the, uh, the, the uh, heavens are destroyed, the earth is destroyed, ungodly men are destroyed, what do you have left? You know, no, nothing good. But there is more to it than that. You can never understand the day of judgment by looking at one part of the description. You have to see it in the bigger picture. For instance, Acts chapter 17, verses 29 to 31. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So it says, he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. That doesn't sound like destruction. No, it doesn't. Through a man whom he is appointed. So, so there's, there's, there's four basic points, Jonathan. We're, we're just about out of time here. What are these four, four points on the day of judgment that we know from this verse? It is a fixed day, a day predetermined to happen. All right, so God's got that in control and on time. What else? The judgment of that day will be upon the world based in righteousness. And that's a good thing because anytime you base something in righteousness from God, you can't go wrong. What's the next point? And the judgment of the day will come from Jesus. All right. And the true church will, as we've already seen, play a role. So all of these pieces are going to fit together to make the great day of judgment work. And again, the judgment day that we are talking about here and now is the judgment of the humanity, the human part. The systems we've already discussed, their destiny is destruction. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just like the systems were destroyed in the flood, but the people came through the flood, life came through the flood, God has a plan, and the Day of Judgment is one of the greatest days, the greatest periods of time in all of God's plan, because it sets the record straight. How does it do that? In the second hour, we're going to discuss in detail what happens on that Day of Judgment how does it happen? To whom does it happen? And what are the results of it happening? For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back in another two or three minutes, so don't go very far, and we will continue our discussion. Will sinners be happy on Judgment Day? We'll be back soon. Till then, think about it. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Good evening, I'm Rick. 
Welcome back. This is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what we have on the table tonight is an important subject and I would say one of the more misunderstood subjects uh, in Scripture as far as we're concerned. That's right, Rick. And our question is, will sinners be happy on Judgment Day? And our theme text is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But by His word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Okay, so we have been talking in the first hour. We really haven't focused on the actual activities of Judgment Day, but we needed to set the groundwork scripturally for where it fits. What happens, what doesn't happen, what happens before Judgment Day, what's not a part of Judgment Day, and what is a part. So we've got several pieces that we just want to quickly recap. So Jonathan, four basic points uh, from the first hour. Go ahead. Judgment Day includes those from very sinful times and places that will have varied responses. And that's from some scriptures that, that indicate that there's different responses and a lot of people coming from different periods of time are just going to have different ways of reacting to however the Day of Judgment uh, actually ends up working. What else? Judgment Day is connected to the destruction of heaven and earth as well as the ungodly. All right. But so not literally, right, Rick? Right, and that's the thing. Heaven and earth. When you look at heaven and earth in verses like this, they are a symbol of spiritual governing powers and the social fabric. And those things are all going to crumble and be destroyed. And it, Judgment Day for humanity is connected with that. Although that destruction happens before judgment of humanity actually begins. What else? Judgment Day works based upon accountability, especially for words spoken. So you had said it in the, in the first hour, something about it not being a happy time or something. What was it? No. No happy there's feet? Gonna be, uh, <laughs> accountability is not happy. Yeah. We're all sinners. There's going to be shame, humiliation, regret, and embarrassment. Uh-oh, it's my turn. <laughs> well, and, and that really is, is what, what, what goes forward, is, uh-oh, it's my turn. And what happens is we put that, a lot of Christian denominations put that into such an ominous perspective because their idea is, uh-oh, it's my turn and there is no way out. The uh-oh, it's my turn is correct, but is there a way out? That's what we need to establish in the second hour because the answer is yes, there is. The, other, the fourth point from the, the first hour, Jonathan? Judgment Day includes a get-out-of-judgment-free because you paid the price card for some. And that is for those who are the true footstep followers of Jesus. Because they're going to be with him and helping in that judgment day. So they have to be judged, but when does their judgment happen? In advance of the world. So their judgment happens in the context of the present evil world of sin and death. And in a lot of ways, that's a much harder judgment because the environment is very negative and very anti- Jesus anti-goodness and that's why we need the armor of God to to be able to protect us in this day and that's a whole different subject for a whole different day so 
All right, so so we're going through Second Peter chapter three. We're going through the verses three through thirteen. Let's just reread verses three through seven to catch us up, and then we're going to continue with building on the thoughts of how Judgment Day actually works according to Scripture. Know this first of all that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, "Where is the promise of His coming?" For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction, of ungodly men. So there's definitely a comparison between the destruction of the world, the governing situation and the social fabric back in the days of Noah, and a comparison to the present day. One was destruction through water, the other is destruction through fire, but it's not a destruction of the physical earth. It's a destruction of the systems of the physical earth. So, we know about the wrath of God and the taking down of the heavens and the earth, and you know we keep trying to stress that that's symbolic. What event triggers the personal judgment day activity? What makes the personal judgment day things happen versus all of these other things happen? That's what we want to get to. But first, let's just have a reminder of what judgment day looks like according to others, to, to some other Christian denominations, because the, the picture we're painting, Jonathan, is entirely different than these others. So let's just remind ourselves, we're going to go back to Peter Schofield and standing before God, Judgment Day is coming. And of course, when you hear it, Judgment Day is coming, you know it can't be anything really happy. And another book was opened, which is the Book of Life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. When it is over, God will ask an angel to open the book of life, to see what your name appears. The angel will look and say, That name does not appear, Lord. And God will say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now that is ominous. I'm sorry. It certainly is. That's just ominous. That's just not a situation that you want to be a part of. And you say, well, how the heck... Do you, uh, why would you be talking about the Day of Judgment in any kind of positive terms if that's the way it works? And the answer is, that's really not the way it works. Because it's a misunderstanding of what judgment truly is. So, And Rick, the, the thing that jumped out at me from the soundbite is someone's, there, there are people's names that aren't found in the Book of right. Life. Mm -hmm. Like they never lived. But what do the scriptures say? Something totally different to that, I think. Yeah, and, and that's really where we have to go now, because we have to define the purpose of the Day of Judgment, because most Christians look at the Day of Judgment as a day of stamping approval or disapproval. That's not really what it's about. 
Let's 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 investigate this. John chapter 5 verses 28 and 29. This is the catalyst that starts human judgment right here according to the words of Jesus himself. Marvel not at this, for the hour cometh in which all that are in their tombs shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of judgment. So we've established in the last uh, last hour, last segment, Jonathan, that those who follow after Jesus have a different destiny. That's right. And Rick, they represent they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. And why is that? Because they already have been judged. Their judgment is over. They've already proven themselves to be entirely unbreakably faithful to their Lord Jesus. That's important. They've proven themselves to be crystal clear in intention. And, and you know, the thing about that, Jonathan, because we're not going to be spending a lot more time on that aspect, but I want to make one point. It doesn't mean they end up perfect on, in this world, but it means that their intentions end up always being toward the will of God. And by the grace of God through Jesus and the covering of Jesus, those intentions, even if we don't do things perfectly and we don't, it doesn't mean we can't be faithful because our heart is in the right place. That's Thank God for that. It is. It's, <laughs> it's enormous. And that principle will also carry through in a very different way for the world in the day of judgment. It says, they that have done evil to a resurrection of judgment. Now, in the King James Version, it says a resurrection of damnation. And of course, if you look that's at that... A, that's a poor translation, Rick. And it sure sounds nasty. But that, oh, it does. But that's not what the word really, truly means. What does that word judgment really mean there? Rick, it means decision. By extension, a tribunal. By implication, justice. So it is a process. The idea of decision is you're going through the process of making a decision. It's not a final proclamation. It is the decision-making process. That's what the Day of Judgment really is. And if we understand it that way, uh, then we can. It, it takes on an entirely different light. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages, errors from the past, and into the light of today, the original good news. Join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. And, and Jonathan, a listener uh, wrote in, Though it will be humiliating and shameful, won't it also be a great relief knowing that our pain and suffering inside, out, uh, inside and out will be fixed? And really, that's what the Day of Judgment is about. Because, there are, and I'm jumping ahead of myself just for a moment, because but, but, I think it's important here. The judgment has to do with reconciling. When you reconcile things, you help them to work together. You bring them back together. That's why the Day of Judgment is also called the Day of Reconciliation. There's a positive end to this thing. And a lot of us, as Christians, we look at it as, this is it. You're doomed if you don't respond now. And that's not what the scriptures say. So let's go a little forward, a little further forward with our Second Peter chapter three verses. And remember, the last verse we read was Second Peter three seven. By His word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, 
kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That was verse 7. Now let's go to verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So it's interesting that right after Peter says the, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men, and right after he talks about the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men, he says, and by the way, a day with God is as a thousand years. So it's a thousand year judgment period. And so it's not something that happens in an instant. It's, that makes sense, Rick, because how are you going to judge the 25 billions of people that have ever lived from Adam to today? Well, and not only that, the judgment means being accountable. When you're accountable, it doesn't necessarily, you know, look, you have an employer. Your employer brings you in for your annual review. That's a time of accountability. And if you had goals and objectives you were supposed to accomplish and you didn't, you are accountable for those. So what's supposed to happen after that accountability? You're supposed to go back to work with the new knowledge of what it is you have to accomplish and go do it. There's a new focus. That's what the Day of Judgment is. It's accountability for the purpose of correction, for the purpose of bringing righteousness, righteousness to you and you to righteousness. So it's a very positive thing. It's not a mere proclamation or verdict. It's a process, a long process for the purpose of provoking life, and it's not there for sentencing death. See, Jonathan, that's the thing they confuse. And by confusing that, the day of judgment becomes ominous instead of glorious. Verse 9 of Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See? Told you right there. <laughs> Everyone has an opportunity to turn their heart right and to get in harmony with God and his ways. And this next verse, actually Julius mentioned this next verse in his call in the first hour. Let's read it again, Isaiah 26, 9, because that fits exactly with that thought. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Will learn righteousness. You don't do that if you're being stamped as disapproved. You're being stamped as a failure. That's not what the Day of Judgment is. Learning righteousness. That is what it's all about. Remember the advocate method of proving the true followers of Jesus we talked about in the first hour? That's right. Like Jesus pleading for us, helping us. Right. Now let's look at how Jesus deals with the ungodly, they that have done evil. Because Jesus says they that have done evil to a resurrection of judgment. What does that mean? Well, first of all, Romans 3.23, a very simple scriptural statement. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so we know that. And so what's going to happen? How is it going to work? What's the role that Jesus plays with the world in that day? 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 6. We're going to have to skip just a few verses in here. I exhort, therefore, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made, made for all men. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of their one God and one 
himself the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony to be born in its own times. All right, and uh, your, your reception there was breaking up a little bit, so it was hard to understand parts of it. But it talks about there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. A mediator, Jonathan, is different than an advocate. It is, Rick. It's a go-between. Right. So a mediator is not sitting next to you representing you before God. A mediator is saying, you are at odds with God. God is there. You're here. I am here to bring those two parties that are odds together. The way to bring them together is to show the one who is not in harmony with God's will and way how to become harmonious with God's will and way. That's what the mediator does. It shows them by example, whereas the advocate walks alongside of you. And that's why it's a very different kind of relationship, but a very important relationship that Jesus and the true church will play for all of the world as they go through this judgment, this really great period of time. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, Will Sinners Be Happy on Judgment Day? Coming up, what does Judgment Day look like for the sinful world? That's next. Listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today Will Sinners Be Happy on Judgment Day? We're live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866 985 4255. That's 866 985 for all. Or you could message us on your app. And if you don't have our free app on your smartphone, go to your app store and click on your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio. The the app is such a great, great tool. So many tens of thousands of people have downloaded that app and it really, really helps to get get on the inside track of the kinds of things that we do and talk about here. And uh, so so Jonathan, it's about the day of judgment. Go ahead. And I love that scripture that we closed out with, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6, because there was another important point. Jesus Christ, who gave a ransom for all, the testimony to be born at its own times. In the day of judgment, everyone's going to be very thankful that they're there and alive after resurrection and realize Jesus died for them even if they had no relationship with them. They will be joyous. So, that they have an opportunity. So, so you're throwing out an answer to the original question. Will sinners be happy on Judgment Day? You're saying, yeah. Uh, you think that a lot, the vast, vast majority I, I, at least will. They'll be happy. Absolutely. And again, that's not the picture that we get from a lot of Christian denominations because they look at parts of the picture of Judgment Day without the other parts. And if you don't put them all together, how can you see what it really, really means? So having said that, Jonathan, let's go to a picture of great contrast to what we're talking about. Remember we had mentioned um, that you know, lots of different religions have different viewpoints of Judgment Day. And in the first hour, we played a, a soundbite from a Muslim perspective. Well, you know, it was sort of winding up, if you will, in that first soundbite. So let's go back to this perspective uh, from the Muslim perspective, the merciful servant, the resurrection, 
And this, Jonathan, ends up being very, very, very graphic in its description of what they believe Judgment Day actually looks like. On that day, we will bring Jahannam forth. We will let Jahannam come right onto the point where we are taking account. So when Jahannam sees the criminals, listen to what happens. Allah says, subhanallah, as the criminals see Jahannam, Jahannam will make a roaring, bubbling, crackling sound, inviting sound to tell them this is your abode. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask, is this not the day? Did I not promise you of this day? Allahu Akbar. The people will call out, please our Lord lessen the pain. Please our Lord return us back. Please our Lord give us another chance. Please our Lord have mercy upon us. People will cry until the tears run out and then they begin to cry blood. And that sounds pretty ominous. And it's interesting because in their description, they were talking about Jahannam. Jahannam actually means hellfire. So I don't know why they didn't translate that word in their description, but they were talking about hellfire is going to do this and hellfire is going to do that and hellfire is going to do this. Hellfire is not real. It's not a scriptural uh, way of judging, subject for another program, but the scriptures do not teach that. And, you know, you see that from a Muslim perspective, it is a very cut and dry, harsh end result, as with many Christian denominations as well. We don't believe Judgment Day has that message or has those methods. So, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget to join us on Facebook, and you can tweet us at CQNet Radio, and we're now on Instagram. And, uh, you know, our podcast is on every major podcast channel that I think you can pretty much imagine. So uh, that's, a, that's kind of a great thing that's happening here as well. So check us out. You can get, check us out through Google Play or through iTunes or through Podbean and so forth and so on through Stitcher. All there uh, right now with Christian Questions. So let's go back to Second Peter chapter 3, Jonathan. We were going through the context. Uh, we we're going to go through verses 3 to 13. We're up to verses 10 through 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And see, now, when you read that, you say, aha, you see, it is all going to be destroyed. But you've got to remember that in the previous verse, he said, but according to his promise, we're looking for a new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. So it's not that you're going to be transported to another planet Earth. It's that a new heavens, a new spiritual governing system, a new earth, a new social fabric is replacing that which needs to be destroyed. It needs to be burned up. It needs to be put aside so life can continue in a godly fashion. And what, and, and what the Apostle Peter is doing is reminding true Christians. He says, now remember I told you this before. He's saying you've got to be focused on doing your part. You have to be focused on... Um, being faithful to what it is that you you are supposed to be doing as a true Christian, as a true follower of Jesus. Folks, if you want to text us you, or join us with live chat, please feel free to do so. We'd love to get your comments in those ways as well as by phone. So, Jonathan, let's go through several of the things that Judgment Day is and does. Let's start. Let's go. 
Well, Judgment Day will be run by Jesus through his faithful. And we touched on this earlier, but let's again go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the time, thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So now, if this, now think about this. If Judgment Day was a day of darkness and destruction and crying and pain and throwing people into some abyss or something like that, how could the Apostle tell us one of the things that is going to happen as a result of your righteousness today is going to be that the world, once they see judgment, is going to glorify God because of your behavior. How could that possibly be if they're being, they're being sentenced to, to some kind of torment thing? It just doesn't make sense, does it? It, it doesn't match. No, not at all. I mean, they're going to be praising God because they saw in their past life examples of Christ-likeness, and they missed it. But they're thanking the Lord for that experience, and they now recognize it. And, you know, Jonathan, I know you've had this experience in your life, and in my life I've had experience with, with several individuals that I know, some, some of which have chosen really bad paths in their life. And sometimes in my interchanges with them, they get very, I'll, I'll say even vile with their reaction toward me as being a Christian. And, they, and, you know, I've been called a lot of names uh, and looked at with great disdain for having this fantastical fantasy belief in this crazy God and all of this stuff. Those individuals, as far off as they are, are going to have that resurrection that we talked about in the last segment. And they're going to be able to look at all that happened before and say, I was dead, I'm alive Look at this. Life. This is good. So, there, you, like you said before, there's cause for great rejoicing with this day of judgment. And they will be able to look upon what those who were faithful to Jesus went through and say, now that is an example of living up to something. Maybe I want to be like that when I grow up. But Rick, it's not going to be easy no. to change from who you were to who you need to be no. in that Judgment Day. In our next point, Judgment Day will be like a day of restraint. Okay, now, so, so give us a scripture to, to back that up. Second Peter 2.9 The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment, to be punished. Alright, so you say, to be punished, and you go, aha, there has to be punishment. That's an interesting word, though, that word for punished in that particular verse. What does it actually mean? This is fascinating to me. Rick, it means to lop or prune as trees and wings, to curb, check, restrain. Okay, so to lop or prune. When you prune a tree, you cut back all of the branches that are not truly, truly needed for real fruit. Is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? Well, it helps the fruit grow and develop, so it's a good thing. But the tree looks pretty, kind of like, pretty destitute when you've just cut it, right? But just wait, because when those flowers bloom, they're going to be all over and gorgeous. And that's what this is describing the Day of Judgment as. It says, okay, God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. The godly are those who are following Jesus. And to reserve the unjust unto the Day of Judgment to be 
pruned. In other words, to go through the same refining type of a process that those true Christians already went through. You had your pruning. Remember Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples the night before he died, and and they're on their way to Gethsemane, and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, and he talks about pruning? That was a Christian picture. But there is a pruning picture of the world in the resurrection having those things, those tendencies pruned back and pruned back and restrained so they can actually grow into righteousness. And like you said, it's painful but worth it. Definitely. And if we're going to be sympathetic high priests, if we are faithful to our Christian walk, we can relate to those experiences those in the world went through and we can help them develop and walk closer and closer to our Lord. And that goes back to the previous scripture of, of those who slandered your good, your good deeds will glorify God in the day of judgment because exactly of what you just said. All right, what else does the day of judgment bring us? It applies equally to all who have ever lived. And that is such an important point. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're born in, what time of history you're born in, what religion or lack thereof you're born into, it applies to you. Matthew 11, 20-24. Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For in the miracles that occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. So Jesus is giving a very, very specific, clear, and in some ways harsh judgment in this verse. And he's saying to to these cities, Chorazin and Bethsaida, you have, he's basically saying, you have me. You have my miracles as a representative of God Almighty, and you're not listening. If Tyre and Sidon had this, they would have changed their ways. Now, a little bit on Tyre and Sidon. Why does he use Tyre and Sidon in these verses, Jonathan? Tyre and Sidon were uh, habitations of heathens. Their country was joined to Galilee. They were places of great traffic, inhabited with Canaanistic idolatries, and exceedingly wicked, um, threatened by the prophet Isaiah, remember in Isaiah 23, 1-18, and by the prophet Ezekiel also, a people odious to the Jews upon many accounts. So in several prophecies, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, and in Amos, they were against God's people. So Jesus is saying that if they had witnessed what you are witnessing, they would have repented. That's how, that's how uh, dis, uh, disconnected... Uh, the the Chorazin and Bethsaida were from the the goodness of Jesus. But all of them, all of them have opportunity in the day of judgment. It'll be easier. It'll be more tolerable for them because they didn't see what you saw. So you're going to have a harder time. So you're right when you said it's going to be a tough time. So those sinners at the beginning, I don't know that they're going to be very happy. But they'll have the... Yeah, you're right. You're right. But they'll have the opportunity to grow into happiness and isn't that what you want? Don't you want a happily ever after, literally? Absolutely. So, so let's finish these verses uh, in Matthew 11. We went through 20 to 22, and let's go 23 and 24. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sidon, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. 
So obviously Sodom is very easy to understand what happened there. Here is a city specifically destroyed because of its inherent evil, and yet they appear in the day of judgment. And not only do they appear in the day of judgment, but they, Jesus says they have an easier path than the city of Capernaum to become righteous, which means there is a path to righteousness, which means the day of judgment isn't about saying, no, go burn someplace. It's completely opposite. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, Rick, what about you will descend to Hades uh, in that verse? What does that literally mean if we were saying there's no such place as hellfire and torment? Hades is literally the ground. It's the grave. In other words, Capernaum, Capernaum, as a city, you will descend to destruction. But you, the people, will be there, have a harder time, but still have opportunity for life in the Day of Judgment. Folks, you have a thought? It's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. All right, Jonathan, one last point on what Judgment Day brings for this segment. Judgment Day will be based fully upon one's own actions, with the past considered, but not primary. All right, so the past is part of it, but the past isn't all of it. How do we know that? Let's go to another scripture, Jeremiah 31, 27 to 30. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of men and with the seed of beasts, as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to destroy and to bring disaster. And see, now that's all what's happened in the past. So there's going to be a sweeping run through history here in this scripture. So I will watch over them to build up and to plant. And that's happening in the present. We can see that actually literally happening in Israel right now. Declares the Lord, in those days they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone will die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. So now it goes from the past to the present to the future. In those days, it won't be said again that the fathers have eaten the sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, it won't be said that it's not fair. We're suffering for what we've inherited because in from the, Adam. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because in those days, you now will be accountable for your own actions. So this is good news. And the good news, Jonathan, is there is no place to hide. Rick, wait a minute. Good news? Why is it good news? Come on. You can't hide. What do you mean? Well, I guess you're going to have to wait to the next segment for that. Uh, but it is good news. I promise. It is good news. There will be no place to hide in the day of judgment. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, Will Sinners Be Happy on Judgment Day? Coming up. What does Judgment Day produce as an end result for the world? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today... Will sinners be happy on Judgment Day? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. 
That's 866-985-FOR-ALL, or you can message us on your app. And if you have any questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.com or on our Facebook, or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.com. So lots and lots of ways of getting in touch with us, and it's important that you do that, folks, because your feedback really, really is important, and it drives so much of what we talk about and, and how we talk about it, so we do appreciate it very, very much. So, so Jonathan, you know, we're going to get back to how is, how is having no hiding place good, but not quite the yeah. second. <laughs> Let, okay. Let's go back to Second Peter chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, so we can get the rest of that context on the table, and then we'll get into that with our next point looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And again, if you realize that the heavens and the earth are symbolic, this makes perfect sense. It truly makes perfect sense. The old way of running things and the old fabric of society must be destroyed so the new way of running things and a new fabric of society can grow up into fruition and righteousness and goodness. So next point, Jonathan, and we'll get back to no place to hide. What's the next point on the Day of Judgment that's so important? Judgment Day is absolutely inescapable. Okay. God sees all. Nothing that anybody does is out of his sight. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and quick to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and laid open before him with whom we have to do. And there is no place to hide. That scripture, that's telling us. And that's a good thing. Because if you understand that God is love and God has a plan as evidenced in his scriptures, in his book, then you realize that you want to be seen by God in that environment because that's the way you can have life You can have blessing, you can have goodness, you can have righteousness. Jonathan, you can have it all in the very best way possible that glorifies and honors God first and foremost. So the Day of of Judgment, Jonathan, is a great time for there to be no place to hide because it's God's rule, God's way. And it comes down to this. And we mentioned this earlier, I just want to mention this again. Um, You're going to be happy in the Day of Judgment if you're seeking the justification of of Jesus, his helping you to be righteous through his ransom sacrifice. But if you're seeking to justify yourself and the things that you have done in this evil world, you're not going to be happy. It's all a matter of justification. Which justification are you looking for? Justify your own actions or the justification of Jesus on your behalf? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? Angels are included in the judgment that we're talking about here. And that's really an astounding thing to think about. What else does Judgment Day bring us? Judgment Day will utterly bring life to the billions and billions of humanity. 
And this is another uh, listener comment, Jonathan. God's goal is for every person to be whole, mentally, physically, and spiritually, to know the living God who created heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, and the Jesus Christ, the one who gave us life. So the idea is that Judgment Day is the time when the goodness of God's original plan for man actually can be seen and understood by the, the wide variety of humanity on the face of the earth. And there are billions and billions of people who never truly heard of the true righteousness of God. That is all going to change. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. Okay, now pause right there. Wait, 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 wait. All right. The wages okay. of sin is death. We look at that, and a lot of times as Christians, we take that, and we point our finger and say, the wages of sin is death. But what's the rest of the verse? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the beauty of that, Jonathan, is because of the sacrifice of Jesus for the sin of Adam, what he did is he took Adam's sin, which every human being inherited, and he sacrificed his life for it, so now every human being by justice, must inherit the resurrection in Jesus. Because that's what justice says. If justice makes everybody inherit sin, justice makes everybody inherit resurrection. They have to earn life from there. And like you said so many times already, it won't be easy, but they get the opportunity. So Rick, We took on Jesus' merit following in his footsteps now in advance of the world. The world has opportunity in the day of judgment to take hold of it and not let go after judgment. Right. And that is such an important point. They will have the opportunity. They don't have it now. And see, that's the key. Again, when I, when I talk about some of my own personal experiences with those who are against what we stand for, what we believe in, and look at us with the mockery of, of saying how foolish and stupidly we must we are acting and how we've wasted our lives. and Look, I've been told that I live in a fantasy world. And my response to that, now, you know, you can't talk to somebody like that necessarily about things like this, but my response in my heart and my mind is, just wait. Just wait till you see later what I got to see now. Just wait how beautiful it will be. Folks, if you have a thought, now would absolutely be the time, 866 985-4255. So, Jonathan, let's go to our, our final soundbite. And again, we're painting this glorious picture. This soundbite's not so glorious a picture. But we need to remind you that what we're talking about is so very different than so many Christian denominations. And this soundbite, again, is just another reminder as to why. This is Peter Schofield, again, standing before God. Uh, judgment Day is coming. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, they have no rest, day or night, forever.
Jonathan, it never ceases to amaze me how you have the drama of these perspectives that is based on scriptures in Revelation, which is a book of symbols. That's just what it is. And you can take those symbols and say, look at that, look at how horrible this is. Well, you're looking at a symbol and trying to take it in reality. Of course it's horrible. But that's not the plan of God. It's not square with the plan of God. How do we know this? Let's look at some of the reality from Scripture, from prophecy. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4, for instance. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Okay, now, now, not... now hang on. Now, that's about Jesus. And that's yes. showing that he will bring forth justice to the he will give the Gentiles opportunity that others don't have. Now what's what's the result of all this? Let's continue. He will not cry, nor lift up his voice, nor cause it to be heard in the street. A bruised reed will he not break, and a dimly burning wick will he not quench. He will bring forth justice in truth. So you get a sense that there is a great compassion described in this verse a great compassion by jesus and this is his ultimate work with the human race a bruised and jonathan this is such a sensitive sensitive thing to compare to that revelation symbolism that we just heard the reality is a bruised reed he will not break a dimly burning wick will he not quench he will bring forth justice in truth and then Listen to what it says. This is the prophecy. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he have set justice in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. So you have, this is one of many prophecies that gives us a sense of something good happening, bringing justice in the earth and the isles waiting for his law. I mean, there's an anticipation, and it's a good anticipation. It's not like, oh, let's run from it. They're waiting for it. They want it to arrive. This is good news. It is, and that's why it's so great that there's no place to hide on Judgment Day, because God's <laughs> got it in hand for the positive end result of the fulfillment of the ransom of Jesus Christ. What else does Judgment Day bring us, Jonathan, our final point on this? Rick, Judgment Day will ultimately bring death to the few who refuse love, righteousness, and mercy. So there is a dark side, if you will, for some. And that is if they absolutely refuse the gift of resurrection, the gift of righteousness, the gift of mercy, the gift of life, the gift of direction, the gift of being godly, the gift of community, all of those things. If they reject them, the scriptures have a... Have a um, have a method for dealing with such things. So let's look at Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 23. Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive, until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, from ancient time. If you are having a period of restoration of all things, that means you're going back to something that previously existed. So what was lost that needs restoring? It was the harmony of humankind with God Almighty. And that's where it was in the garden. So this period of restoration 
shows us something of great, great value uh, in terms of that. Um, so as we, as we look at this, Jonathan, we, we need to understand that there's something very, very special going on here with these, with, with these verses. A period of restoration. Um, let's go back to um, Acts 3, uh, verses 22 to 23. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. So in the context of great resurrection and great restoration, in the context of all of these things, there is that that side that says those who don't will be uh, utterly destroyed. It doesn't say tortured. It doesn't say tormented. It simply says they will be wiped out from among the people. That's an important aspect of this whole thing uh, for us to be able to look for and to do. And Jonathan, I understand we have a call. Hang on one second here. Uh, It looks like we've got Ken from Colorado on the line. Good evening, Ken. Welcome to Christian Questions. Hello, Rick. Hello, Jonathan. Uh, I really enjoy your show. uh, You were talking about uh, a new heaven and a new earth, and I was thinking about... Revelation 21.1, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And, you know, we think about those about the order passing away, the powers of be now, and the society passing away. And it goes on in Revelation 2 to say, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for, his, for her husband, and, you know, that's a beautiful picture of the church and that new governing power. And it said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. And I think that's a beautiful explanation of what that day of judgment is is going to accomplish. And I, I really appreciate you guys' show. Thank you. Ken, thanks so much for the scripture, for uh, bringing it to our attention. It's a perfect time for that scripture. We appreciate your calling in. Thanks so much. God bless. Jonathan, what a, what, what a great thought that is. It just puts it in perspective as we wrap this up. There is a great ending for this. So let's wrap this up, Jonathan, with one final scripture that puts the whole thing into perspective. You know, this is not a drill. This is reality. This, is, this scripture in Hebrews 9, 24 to 28, helps us see the whole picture. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. So, first of all, you've got the the, the comparison of Jesus as the one sacrifice and the law with the sacrifices being repeated again and again and again. And it's saying Jesus was the real thing. The sacrifices of the law were just exercises to bring us up to that real thing. So he's saying this is not a drill. This is the real thing. This is what God's plan is built entirely upon. What's next? Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. 
but now once, at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifest to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So this is simply saying one sacrifice finished the work. And, and Jonathan, that's such an important point. There's so many pieces to that statement that one sacrifice finishes the work because the idea is you don't have to repeat the sacrifice of Jesus again and again. And there's some of our Christian friends seem to do that. They repeat the sacrifice of Jesus over and over and over and over again. That is not what it's about. This scripture tells us clearly, once, once, once for all. What's next? And insomuch as it was appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once, will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. All right, so the second appearance of Jesus, and we started the program looking at this part of things, it means that there's going to be trouble first. Then it means there's going to be resurrection. And first of all, in that trouble period, what happens is you have the necessary destruction of the heavens and the earth, of the spiritual uh, um, rulership, and of the social fabric. Heavens and earth. Armageddon, apocalypsis. Right. So you've got all of those things happening. Just trouble first, then resurrection, which leads to salvation for all. And in that salvation for all, what you have is the day of judgment. When resurrection begins, when humans start coming back from the grave, you have a new government in place, a new heavens, just like Ken said with his scripture, a new heavens and a new social fabric. There's a new sheriff in town, Jonathan, and that new sheriff is going to bring such goodness, such righteousness, such peace, such tranquility to the world that you cannot deny the value of all that he does and all that he says and all that he stands for. That, that is what the day of judgment really is according to the Bible. It is so much more than the things that you've heard and the things that you've seen about the destruction and the people screaming and yelling and all of that and the fires. No, 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 no. It is the plan of God coming to fruition where every man, woman, and child will be able to learn righteousness by following after the will of God. They will have a chance. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us tonight. We will be back again next week with another subject. But till then, will sinners be happy on Judgment Day? If they are relying on the justification of Jesus, absolutely. And you should look forward to that. Till next week, think about it. <laughs>